0: Hi, guys. I'm Josh Horowitz, and this is Happy, Sad, Confused, my weekly podcast where I talk to some of the top filmmakers, actors, comedians, representatives of the world of entertainment. Uh, Welcome to this week's show, guys. This week, my guest is... The lovely, the talented, uh, perhaps the youngest guest I think we've had on Happy Second Fuse, uh, the great Chloe Grace Moretz. She's starring in a new movie called The Fifth Wave. Uh, Had a lovely chat with uh, Chloe, who is way too smart for a 19-year-old. I certainly was not that wise at that age, um, but she's got her shit together. And we have a a great talk about the film, her career, and a lot of uh, silly things. But before we get to all that, I want to start on a little bit of a sad note. Um for anybody that's a fan of movies uh theater um the passing of alan rickman was a big blow uh, a few days ago Uh, i know it hit me hard i think it hit everybody hard especially because this is one of those that there were no indications this is a, a guy that at 69 years old was working prolifically um and had been no reports about his illness but um sadly uh he's no longer with us and he leaves behind an amazing body of work um of course, the Harry Potter films will live on for generations, but uh, Die Hard, uh, Robin Hood, um, uh, Love Actually, films he directed. Um, he directed two films in his career. Um, I was privileged to, to talk to Alan Rickman a few times over over the years um, in my job at MTV, a lot for Harry Potter, but also for some of his smaller films. He came into the studio a couple years ago, and we chatted about CBGB, um, uh, in which he played uh, Hilly Crystal, the, the infamous uh, creator of cbgb's um, and then most recently it was just this past july that uh alan rickman came in and he did the podcast and this is a, a sad distinction but a, a one worth noting he, he is unfortunately the first of our first guests that that's passed away that's been on on the show and um that's uh it's not even a distinction it's just a, it's just a horrible thing and uh really really sad news today um to talk about this but um i wanted to celebrate the man i want to celebrate his work um in in whatever way we could with a little remembrance um from our conversation this past July, he was promoting a film called "A Little Chaos that he had directed that starred himself and Kate Winslet, a good friend of his. Um, and uh, let's let the man speak in his in his own voice and uh, uh, give you a sense of sort of the the gravitas the the intelligence um, the, the the man that he was in this conversation. Uh, here's a little excerpt uh, of us talking about die hard one of my favorite performances of uh, alan rickman and it should be noted uh alan rickman made his film debut in die hard at uh by the time that film uh, opened he was 42 years old so um if you think you haven't gotten your act together don't worry alan rickman um had a second life as it were as a film actor um started his career as a graphic designer up until 25, went on to do some great stage work, and then reinvented himself as a film actor and made quite a debut in Die Hard. Uh, Here we are talking about that. So when when you start to do film, did you find that you needed to develop a whole different set of skills? Or did you have to kind of start from scratch in some respects?
1: Yeah, because when I was doing Die Hard... I'd never made a film before, and um, I'd done some television, but I'd never worked under that sort of pressure in Hollywood. Um, yeah, with all, with, with, it was such a heavy spotlight on what you were doing and so much at stake. Um, and I only knew to approach it like I'd approach a theater play. So John McTiernan said fairly early on, uh, fairly early on he said, I, I've learned with you, I have to be have everything ready for the first take. Because I was like, uh, you know, a greyhound out of a trap. Sure. <laughs> and I really had to learn what I was supposed to do would take two, three, four, five <laughs> I've got nothing left. What do I do now? Yeah, what, now what? <laughs> I did it.
0: <laughs> where did, uh, as much as I love your portrayal of Hans Gruber, I also love your portrayal of Bill Clay in the film. Where did, where did, where did that voice come from? Where did that pleading poor
1: American come from? Was there any inspiration for that? In a way, you know that that was all about I think many people tell very various stories about that, how that happened. but uh, the truth of it from my point of view is I was being fitted for a load of terrorist gear, and I looked at the guys who were going to be playing my henchmen, and I said, "Why am I wearing this stuff? when look at the size of them, uh, wouldn't it be more interesting? This is me thinking I'm in a play. And I've got a right to say something about the plot. So I'm saying, wouldn't it be more interesting if I wore a suit and then if, and also I said, if I wore a suit, there could be a scene where I met him and then I could pretend to be one of the hostages. Right. Whatever anybody else tells you, that's, that's the, what happened.
0: That's what you remember.
1: Then people tested me out on an American accent and I just had, unless it, I know what specific, I just have an American accent. I don't know what it is or where it's from. Uh, but yeah, I went away and they. Came, I came back from, I went away from LA, came back ready to start shooting and I was handed these pages yeah. of a script and suddenly I was being fitted for an Armani suit. So it pays to think about it. And anyway, it was a good idea.
0: The great Alan Rickman, uh, gone too soon at the age of 69. Um, on to this week's show, guys. Uh, as I said, Chloe Grace Moretz is our guest this week. Um, she is a super talented actress who seemed to come out of the womb <laughs> with amazing skills. She's been acting since she was a child. She almost still is a child. She's, she's a grown woman now. She's 19 years old. And uh, part of the fun for me over the years has been to see someone like Chloe mature into a really self-possessed um, uh, woman who uh, is not afraid to speak her mind and to make intelligent choices and to grow as an actor and we get into all of that in this uh, really frank conversation Um, she's promoting her new film the fifth wave which is a big kind of um, sci-fi spectacle but a lot of uh, big emotions in this too this is based on a a very popular ya series it opens this friday Uh, i'm sure they're hoping that this continues on for several films to come we'll see what, what happens um but regardless chloe don't worry about chloe this is a woman that's uh that's worked with the likes of Martin Scorsese and, um, and Matt Reeves. Her performance in Let Me In is, is remarkable. Not to mention Hit Girl in, in the kick-ass movies. So um, always good uh, chatting with Chloe. She always gives me uh, a lot of shit. She likes to poke at me. I think she thinks of me as, as her, uh, her weird big brother at times, and that's fine. Um, it's always fun to mix it up with her. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this chat. As always, hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz, and let me know what you're enjoying, who you want to hear on the podcast. And in the meantime, please enjoy this conversation with the talented Chloe Grace Moretz. It's good to see you. Good to see well. you.
2: What? Yeah. Why are we? Yeah, getting no, i What is this? Uh, it's good to see you too, I, I, Joshua. I, I, w-
0: I was thinking, you're one of the few that call me Joshua. Um, <laughs> me and your mom. <laughs> basically, my <laughs> sister. Um, I'm trying to figure out who's matured more over the years. I feel like I first spoke <laughs> yes. to you when you were
2: probably, when Eleven? did Kick-Ass come out? I was 12. 12. Okay, so? I was a baby. You were a baby. That was seven years ago.
0: I've not changed at all.
2: No. I wanted to give you something there, but no.
0: I'm stuck I'm stuck here. and MTV locks me up in my closet. Um, <laughs>
2: you get locked but, up in your
0: little closet. But it's been exciting to see the, the way your career has developed and in terms of the choices you've made, in terms of the directors yeah. you've gone to work with, mm-hmm. and in terms of opportunities like the fifth wave, uh-huh. which is a big moment. It's, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so talk to me a little bit about, okay, let's, first of all, I feel like since we talk every month or two, and because we follow each other on social media, I know everything that happens in your life. <laughs> but let me just clarify Great. some things. Okay, so Game of Thrones. What happened?
2: I, okay, I locked myself in my room for three days. I'm not kidding. <laughs> like, you can ask my family members. They didn't see me for three days, and I watched 50 hours worth of just HBO's Game of Thrones.
0: So had you ever, you, you literally never. started from scratch, and I now you were totally up to date?
2: Completely. I See, I,
0: this is an ongoing discussion I have with people. I've never watched it myself, and it's one <gasps> I know.
2: You, I know, what I know where you are right now.
0: <laughs> you been there? And
2: it's where I was.
0: Everybody good? Sorry. Oh, yeah, okay.
2: It's okay. where I was before <laughs> I found the light in my life. I can't, Was it a I lot too to absorbed?
0: Because I tried to watch the first couple episodes. It's a lot to take in okay, from my small mind. Okay, the first two episodes,
2: brain. it's. You just got to swim past it. Okay. You know, you've got to keep going, okay. get past the first three of the first season because it's just kind of boring. And then, like, literally, it's episode four of the first season where you go, like, okay, it's really popping off. And then it's that <laughs> season finale of season one where you're, it's it's...
0: Whew. Do they talk like that in the show? That's popping off. Is yeah, that big it, John Snow thing? Off. What he says?
2: <laughs> John Snow. I God. did feel left
0: out when the whole John Snow thing happened last year. I also feel like it's been ruined for me now because I know well, I know about that the wedding. Was the one I know thing about the whole.
2: You, you think you know about the wedding, but you don't really.
0: I don't know, actually. Because
2: <laughs> I kind of knew about the wedding, and then when you watch it, you go, "I didn't know about the wedding. <laughs> I didn't, not really," because I'm invested now. Right. It also really messes with like love. Because you know, when you watch a TV show, you become very involved. Yeah. You know, like you feel like when you watch Friends, you are one of the friends.
0: Speak for yourself.
2: You know? <laughs> <laughs> then when you watch Game of Thrones, after that first season, you go, oh, I can't trust anyone. Right. I can't lie. On the chopping they like, could be beheaded them. at any moment. And then they are, and it's <laughs> shocking. It's a good lesson for you. Even, Even the babies. Even the babies.
0: So uh, what's occupied your, your brain matter since getting through Game of Thrones? Um, Have you done the Making a Murderer yet? As we speak, everybody no. on the planet is. I mean,
2: as I was watching that, my brother Trevor was watching Making a Murderer, and I would be screaming at Game of Thrones in my room, and then I'd hear him be like, this is so frustrating. It's insane. It's insane. I think I know. I don't talk
0: to back to the TV. I talk back to the TV frequently during Yeah, this apparently. Yeah.
2: I, d- I'm out, though, there. Okay, I don't okay. know. Well, I've
0: got one up on you. Um, how's, no. how's, how's driving going? We've talked about this in the past. You know I don't drive, but I think now you do.
2: Yep. I'm, ar- I'm already ahead of you there. Yeah, you're See, full- I grew you're- up a lot compared to you That's already. That's what I'm you saying.
0: Know. You're a fully functional adult, and I am still <laughs> I'm regressing. I'm going back.
2: <laughs> I'm just slowly <laughs> regressing into, I'm, like, wheelchairdom. <laughs>
0: I'm basically Benjamin Button. Um,
2: what um, you're, Except for the great effects of except, getting younger.
0: Except I have nothing in common with Brad Pitt. <laughs> What, uh, how's Do you get an opportunity to drive much?
2: Um, yeah, like I had this huge opportunity where I went on this 4,000 mile trip cross country. I went a little crazy, okay? Yeah, that's extreme. I'll admit, I was a little drastic in my decision because halfway through I was like, well, 2,200 <laughs> miles more. <laughs> What is the closest and airport? And I'm in <laughs> Kansas.
0: <laughs> so, what are, uh, Mike, you must have seen a lot of very interesting things on your travels.
2: I did and did not. I saw some <laughs> completely meaningless strips of road.
0: There is a, yeah, there's uh, a bit of that. Which is a lot of it. Yeah.
2: Um, but I saw some cool stuff. I got to see, like, Colorado Springs, which I actually really liked. Yeah. And I saw Nashville. Nice. I couldn't really do anything in Nashville though, because everything's over twenty-one there. Right. So like, I walked around Nashville.
0: <laughs> this wasn't like you by yourself in a car on a vision no! bus, was it? it? Was like it was like <laughs> the saddest road trip ever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, that's horrible. No, I uh, my, I went with um our friend Nick, my brother, his boyfriend. Nice. Went with Nick.
0: Excellent, so. excellent.
2: I did have a, a company.
0: Uh, let's Okay, let's take stock more pop culture before we get into fifth wave stuff and okay. the excitement. Um, Star Wars? Seen Star Wars? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. What do you think?
2: Great. It's amazing. It's I amazing. think it's great. I think, I think it's – what's cool is that it's like the old ones, which is – you know what I mean? Yeah. It's nice to see it feel and sound and, like, be able to watch – Something like because I had never seen Star Wars in theaters, right? Ever, right? So, this is like my first Star Wars experience on a big screen, so it just feels like different for me.
0: What about so? Wait, when um the prequels came out, that would have hit you like in the right age, like that was actually directed to, to like your age group. I feel like, not really, though.
2: no, I think I was. I watched see, I watched all of those growing up as a kid with my brothers, like we had DVDs of them all, yeah, like the ones with Natalie Portman, sure, like all those, like. I watched those on DVD. Right. I was like four. Right. Five.
0: So did um, I was born
2: in ninety seven. So that's don't
0: please don't remind me. It's, it's I
2: was insane. born in nineteen ninety seven. I
0: was in college. Britney
2: Spears released. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did um. So when you're watching something like Star Wars, there's all this talk about what a, a great thing that Ray is the the yeah. significant character. Yeah, it, it's right? cool. I mean, that is a moment, right, for a film of that... It's a
2: huge moment. And not just the fact that... Because some movies will just put a woman in the lead, but not actually utilize her. Like, they'll just be like, look, we have a strong female lead. She doesn't do anything. Right. And at the end of the day, she still doesn't accomplish anything. She's just there, though. And we booked her in it. (laughs) Whereas, like, in Star Wars, they actually did cast a female lead. And she's not just... Any typical lead, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a predominantly kind of masculine role in the sense that, like, she is the one saving and fighting, and, you yeah. know, in, in that, especially in that last scene with the lightsabers and stuff, right. like, she, it's not this male female fight thing. It's like, yeah. it's almost like two, what you would look at it in the past, at least, would be like a two men fighting.
0: And also, it's, it's very equal. I mean, and se- frankly, segueing into the current project that you're promoting, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a character that's defined by a relationship to a dude.
2: No, not at all. Actually, like, like it's, it in a sense, like, the guy holds her back more than anything. So yeah. she's more undefined when she's with him than when she's alone. Exactly. In yeah. an interesting way.
0: So I mean, in, in terms of the fifth wave, this is something that, that I know, I mean, it's a big deal to a lot of fans. It's one of these things that has a big fan base, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, were you getting the sense or pressure or, or feel in the last couple of years where, like, okay, there are all these kind of really beloved mm-hmm. franchises that are going and, and coming and going, and people are getting these opportunities, where's mine? Or was it sort of like, when it happens, if it happens, great. And if it never happens, that's okay.
2: I had been offered a few when I was younger, um, kind of coming up. They, they were kind of like, oh, we want you to do this one or that one. And I just hadn't found one that I felt like I would want to potentially spend the next five years of my life, hopefully, if yeah. it does well, five years of my life doing. So for me, when this one came around, what really struck me about it was the difference between this and any of the others, like even the really successful, successful big ones. I mean, I think what's interesting about it is it's not this dystopian universe. You know, right. we're not dealing hundreds or thousands or even ten years in, in in the future. It's today. Yeah. It's right now, and it's not a story about a young girl forced into a love triangle and trying to, you know, being being pulled out for these extraordinary reasons because she's special, more special than anyone else. Like no, she's a very average young girl with like literally little to no survival training at all and it's a story a human story about perseverance and just honestly it's a story about humans trying to connect to one another again and piece back together their lives which is in some ways you can kind of Reference it to society right now, sure. and how we're trying to re-piece back together what we were before, you know, electronics and stuff.
0: It's 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 an eye-opening film in that like literally in the first like three minutes, what you go through or what you're doing, you're yeah. like, okay, I'm in, mean, i mean Even by like, because you know, yeah. quote unquote, YA stuff can get dark, but this is this it's is really very dark. serious. Yeah, it goes to some crazy places. I mean, it, within the first act.
2: Within you, the first fifteen.
0: You, you, your character goes through quite some trauma, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: very quickly. So,
0: do you think? And our our comparisons. I mean, the com- comparisons are inevitable to characters like Katniss, Katniss and Tris, yeah, right? Uh-huh. I mean, do you think those are fair at all, or do you feel like it's just apples and oranges? I
2: think, in terms of strong women, yes, they both. They all. I think all three of them have a lot of courage. Yeah. I think the difference is they all had a skill set you know, Tris had this thing that she didn't even really understand that she had. I think in some ways you can say it's kind of like Tris in the beginning because they both don't really know what they're going to go do. But the difference is Tris decides and jumps into that pit willingly. Right. Whereas Cassie is shoved into it, ripped away from her family, and said, go basically sit in the woods to die on your own. And she has to make the choice of whether or not to sit there and, and, and wallow in self-pity and eventually die, or to pick up the courage to say, no, my brother's alone. Right. Somewhere where I don't even know where he is, but I think I'm gonna go here to try and find him. I'm, I'm going to pick myself up off of this ground, off of this dirt, pick up this gun that I've never shot a gun before in my life, and go on this manhunt, in a sense, for her brother.
0: It's essentially this is the worst analogy ever. I think. I, I think. I think it's San Andreas. If you were the, <laughs> uh, the rock. natural disasters, I'm the Rock. <laughs> natural disasters. You're going off to save your family, no yeah. matter what the cost. It's true. Basically. And
2: yes. And yes. Exactly. Just add aliens. Right. It's San Andreas. <laughs> I'm the Rock because of this. Obviously. At Aliens.
0: Right. Well, you and Dwayne go up for the, a lot of the same roles, right? Yes. If, if you could choose one Dwayne Johnson <laughs> performance over the years that you'd like a crack at.
2: Game change.
0: I mean, you, that's the one. You belong in the Football Fast, player, fast and Furious.
2: I now that you drive. I should have been in Fast and Furious. It's
0: not too late. This That franchise is keep, keeps going. You could be the.
2: I'm p- just offended that they didn't come to me first. Well,
0: <laughs> don't let that get to you. This franchise is stronger than ever.
2: This is 20. 20- Sixteen.
0: It's been a long day. (laughs) Um, This is
2: 2012.
0: No, no, that's a different movie. Another disaster movie, Uh, though. Um, Are you... you, But you are a consumer of this kind of stuff, of this genre of thing.
2: Genre. genre. What? Come
0: on. Why? We're having serious, thoughtful conversation, and I make air quotes, and it's like, why judge me? (laughs) I was making air quotes before you were born. Let me have this
2: genre. Okay, 90s. Does, does it really
0: make... Oh, wow.
2: Was that a 90s thing? Air quotes? Uh, uh.
0: It's so 90s. Um,
2: I, <laughs> what? what doing,
0: the only reason that I feel like... Yeah, it's useful for me to talk to you every couple of months because I feel like it reminds me of how old I am and how out of touch I am. It's getting hot in here. Are you okay? <laughs>
2: I just feel like in all of our, we always have, like, some really good meaningful things, but then the other half is just laughing. That's
0: the problem for this
2: kind of extended
0: conversation. (laughs) Imagine what it's going to be like in 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's going to be okay. So, okay, let me rephrase the question so you don't mock me. Yes, I'm a fan of the... Genre. Because you wa- you like you were into the Hunger Games. You were into yeah. that stuff, right?
2: Yeah, I'm. I'm a fan of sci-fi. I'm okay. A, I'm a very big fan of action and sci-fi. Right. I always have been. Like it's just kind of growing up before older brothers. It was just something I always watched right. and ended up loving, of course, because it was part of my childhood. So, yeah, yeah, I've always been a big fan of it.
0: Is it a coincidence you think that, because, like, when I think of performers, like, at your age, very Mm -hmm. few young female performers are defined by, like, action and physicality the way that your career has thus far. Was that sort of just the luck of the draw, that something like Kick-Ass happened when it did, or was that kind of inevitable given the kind of stuff that you were into? Yeah, I
2: mean, I think that my personality definitely lent itself towards the more kind of aggressive, action-driven you know, badass
0: kind of right. <laughs> she did the air quotes for podcast listeners. No, she just did
2: air quotes. Pod, podcast <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yes, I did. I did the air quotes, but but yeah, you know, in terms of like badass characters, yeah. my my life in my childhood, I guess growing up, it's kind of it kind of lent itself to want to try more adventurous things, right. which inevitably falls into the category of action.
0: So what in the. Let's jump around a little bit. So, okay, after Kick-Ass, I can only imagine the kind of stuff that you got offered. Did you get yes. offered, like...
2: Every controversial role ever.
0: Like, oh, if They're she's going like, oh, to push the envelope she's there. she's a crazy
2: kid. We can throw, like, you want to do meth? <laughs> you want to do this role? Like, <laughs> like that was literally, like, what it was. Did it, was it like, seem
0: like it was just an immediate change in terms of that kind um, of... And,
2: I feel like I just kind of became, like... You know how, like, you kind of have, like, the demon kid? The kid that plays the demon all the time? Right. I feel like I definitely... They wanted me to become, like... The crazy kid who's were, like crazy always.
0: Were you the demon kid growing up? Because a lot of the because er, not in real
2: life. I actually did audition for Demon Kid well, all the time. because well,
0: I was going to say, I noticed like a lot of the early films, frankly, some of which I haven't seen, were there was a lot of genre kind of oh, stuff, oh, yeah. a lot of horror and that kind yeah, of thrillers. Yeah. Were you Were you often the innocent or the demon or the or did you get rid I of both? I became
2: or? the innocent. I, I would audition for both mm-hmm. because like you just you know you audition for like everything that right. you can try and book. So for me, like, I auditioned for both. I, I auditioned for, like, the girl who talked to the to the the ghost, ghost but was yep. innocent. Right. And, like, that's what I ended up booking. But also, like, I would also audition for, like, the demon kid. It's just the fact that I was blonde and blue, like, blonde right. and green-eyed and, like, kind of sweet-looking. Right. If Little they do they know. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but, <you laughs> Cats know, out of the bad guys. Looking. Yeah, we know. So that's what I got hired for. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, you know, I would all totally audition for those, like, demon roles and I never booked them.
0: (laughs) So what are your early memories of being on set? I mean, are they fond? Are they confusing? (laughs) They're
2: (laughs) terrifying. No, they ruined me. No. (laughs) Um, They were adventurous. I'd say, like, imagine a kid at a playground but then make that playground like a multi-million dollar film set with like you're able to be put on wires and thrown up on a roof and like you're playing with fake blood and like you're faking being scared and you're fake crying and like all this crazy stuff's happening like it was just you know a reason to stay up late because you were doing a night shoot like it was just like fun wild extracurricular activity in a way like that's the way I looked at it.
0: And, and in terms of, I mean, I know, you know, you relied a lot on your brother for, in terms of like help in the, yeah. the early days. And yeah. to this and day, I know. the
2: safety of it. And yeah.
0: Well, well, I'm curious, like, did you feel like you were just sort of like behaving or were you acting at that point? Did you have technique or were, can you have technique when you're six or seven or?
2: It's it's in, it's, it's in part, you know, he, it's kind of strange because I, at the very beginning of my career, was so young that I auditorily had to learn lines. Right. Because I don't think I could even really read. Sure. <laughs> no, I could. <didn't. laughs> you know? Because yeah. you're, like, uh, you're a baby. So a lot of it would slightly be line reads, but then he would teach me as I became older and tried new things to take direction. Yeah. So we would start with like kind of a line read, basically. Sure. And the way I learned lines, would we would auditorily run the scene over and over and over and over and over and, right. and over. Right. And then once I got the lines down, then we would try and play with it. So he would give me different notes and show me different inflections to respond to the notes he was giving me. Got it. So that way when I went in for an audition, then I would be able to, like, when the director asked for something else, I go, oh, I have an idea of how I can change it up and give it different. You'd already
0: been through the variations. Exactly. Which
2: then turned into techniques. Right. Right. Like, then as I grew up, I was able to go, oh, OK, different inflections, different meanings, right. always give a different idea in each take. And that's how you take direction.
0: Do you still do that? Do you want me to do line readings for your next script? Yes. Do you want me to just read through the script? And I just... would
2: love that. <laughs> it's for The Little Mermaid. I'm going... the lo- I would actually love to hire you, Joshua. For the Little Mermaid. <laughs> Trevor, I'm sorry, you're fired.
0: You had a good run. Sorry, dude. <laughs> Joshua
2: Horowitz is now my acting coach and line reader.
0: You can blame me, world, when this film comes out.
2: What was she thinking? (laughs) I'm doing air quotes, not the whole movie. (laughs) The whole movie just be like, I'm a human. (laughs) I was never a mermaid. (laughs)
0: Today's sponsor of Happy Say Confused is Casper Mattresses, obsessively engineered American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now you can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com/happy and using the code Happy. Listen, you guys, we spend about a third of our lives sleeping. I might spend half of my life sleeping. Let's make sure you're doing it on a good mattress. Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days: latex foam and memory foam. So they've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. They've got a risk-free trial and return policy. They'll deliver it straight to you. You can try it for 100 days, and if you're not happy, they'll pick it back up. At the store, maybe you'll get a minute to try a mattress. With Casper, you'll actually get to sleep on it. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. Comparing that to industry averages, that is an outstanding price point, guys. So get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com happy using the code happy. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, so what's... I mean, I've talked to a lot of actors about auditioning, but I yeah. feel like there's a whole other level of complexity when we're talking about a kid auditioning. I mean, d- yeah. and it clearly didn't scar you or anything, but you do have to face rejection when you're a kid. Yeah. Is that something you were just
2: I luckily never, able to
0: rationalize and be okay with?
2: That was really only because of Mom and Trevor that mm-hmm. I was able to not, like, take it seriously because they didn't take it seriously. Like, right. we took it seriously, but it wasn't like... This is do or die. If you don't get this role, like, this is over. Like, it was more like, yeah, you didn't book it. Sure. But there's, like, another audition we can go on and see if that works. So, like, I think because they treated it very nonchalantly, I never had this, like, gripping, like, if I don't book this, like, my career's over. I didn't have any pressure on me. So it's like, yeah, if you put pressure on a, on a kid to win their soccer game, when yeah. they don't win, they're going to be devastated. Sure. But if there's no pressure on the kid, they're going to be like, well, we, I mean, we lost, but right. we have another game next week. You so know?
0: It, when you look back on kind of the early experiences of the first few years, is, mm-hmm. is there one film that, that you recall in terms of like, you know, opening up some awareness of like, oh, this is – Craft, this is more than just playtime. What are the early experiences? I mean, I know like Scorsese later on was a huge one, but like early on, what was a turning point if there was one you think?
2: I mean, early on, almost all those movies were. I mean, I I did my first, you know, when I did my very first project ever at The Guardian, we had this scene with Simon Baker and I when we improv, and I had never ever really improv before sure. I didn't even get the concept of improv yeah it's just the cameras were rolling and he asked me questions and I basically answered the questions as Chloe right you know what I mean yeah. so like every single moment I was having on set was some sort of learning experience because it right. wasn't an audition you know what I mean I was learning like basically as a, when I was really young I started to learn like camera angles and like mm-hmm. how to catch the light and how to act to the camera and, like, know the camera's there, but not look at the camera, but, like, play to the camera. Right. So, like, every single movie I did, either it was technical or it was, like, technique-wise, I saw different things. Like, when I did In Evil Horror, Ryan Reynolds was, like, doing this very method thing where, mm-hmm. like, he treated us very methodically on set. And, right. like, when he was angry at us, he wouldn't really talk to us. And, like, so I saw different ways of acting around me. Right. Um, and then, like, when I did B- Big Mama's House 2, I saw, like, Martin Lawrence in this that costume like you know what I mean like yeah. I had all these strange experiences but I was learning so much so quickly
0: one, one film I feel like most of the audience practically hasn't heard of but I find interesting is that you know if a movie came out today with you and Jennifer Lawrence um, directed by uh, Laurie Petty which Laurie I find fas- fascinating yeah. w- what are your memories of, of working on something like that
2: um, that you know we were like a bunch of kids yeah. cause Jen was 15 16 I mean right. she was a baby she was so young. It was her first movie she'd ever done, really, like ever, because she'd done, like, you know, some, like, TV things and yeah. things like short films. But this is her first, like, technical film. Um, and we were just a bunch of kids filming in, like, I forgot even where it was, it was like, Minnesota or, like, Wisconsin mm-hmm. or something random. And we were just pretending to be these, like, really messed up, broken home kids. And I was. You know, Jen, for me, was, like, a sister. Like, she was, like, my older sister. Like, I have all these photos of us, like, being kids, like, being stupid. And it was, you know, none of us really knew what we were doing. Right. You know, but at that moment, I remember that was, like, a huge turning point for Jen in her career. Because, like, when that came out, she won, like, the L.A. Film Festival. And, like, that was, like, the first big thing. It was also big for me because it was, like, one of my first big dramatic roles.
0: I I find it curious, too, that, I mean you know, back then, I I assume it was more happenstance that you were working with someone like Laurie Petty, but like in recent years, Mm -hmm. um, Kimberly Pierce, and, um, Mm -hmm. you know, even some of your short films, I think Elizabeth Banks did one of your shorts, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of female directors, like a a disproportionate amount than, sadly, than are working. Yeah. Is that, again, happenstance, or is that something that has been a luck of the draw, or what?
2: I think in a lot of ways it's been, you know, luck of the draw because of the roles I've chosen, and the path that I've led, it's <clears throat> just, ever since I was a young kid, it's always been a very female, pro-female kind of centric movies. Right. Like, that's always what I've lent myself to. And then growing up through Kick-Ass, especially when that broke, everything was very, like, strong female-driven roles. Right. Um, and so I think it's kind of just the world that I surrounded myself in that allowed me to to have these older women kind of have interest in me right. to work with me because of what I've been doing, I was doing things on their kind of level sure. in in their adulthood as like a young kid in a way. So I think, yeah, it was more happenstance. I mean, now I take very cogniz- cognizant kind of decisions to try and make more female-driven movies with female sure. producers and directors and, you know, projects that are female-based.
0: Is, is it also, I'm curious, do you ever, <clears throat> have you ever looked at like kind of the careers of... The ones that have succeeded in terms of transitioning from child actors to adults, whether it's, you know, an Natalie Portman or a Jodie Foster, et cetera. Like, yeah. is that something important to kind of, like, keep aware of how you adapt to the industry in the in the industry?
2: I think I've been pretty lucky in the sense that when I did break, it was in a very adult role. Right. So I never had, like, this very strong tie to children of my own age right. from doing like a disney show or something like that where like kids looked up to me as like a sister like i was already like you know my first line on screen was the c word like right. you know what i mean like i was doing really intense stuff with adults so as i transitioned i was already kind of in this adult realm yep. that it was actually easier for me to do things like if I stay, because then I was able to build a younger audience to to come up with me. But I was already 17.
0: Yeah, I find it, it occurred you know? to me when I was looking at like a, you know the career project uh, progression in terms of like the roles you, you almost avoided as much as the ones you got. Yeah. And like when you did play kind of like the cliche, and it's not wasn't a cliche, but it was mm-hmm. like the sullen teenager. It was of course like in a Tim, Tim Burton, Burton movie. That's if you're gonna do it. That's the way to do it.
2: Hundred percent. Like that's definitely that was for sure a cognizant choice. Like we definitely didn't want to do the daughter role. Right. Very much. Like that was just something I, I didn't feel like it was interesting enough for me to act that. Like right. instead of doing the daughter role, we did movies like Let Me In. You know what I mean? Like that's what I was wanting to go do. That's what I was wanting to go try out. Yeah. And I, I it wasn't even the fact that we were like strategically choosing it as a career path. It was more just like. I wasn't having fun auditioning for those roles. Got it. And it wasn't enough for me as an actor to just be like I'm angry because I'm a teenager. So like, there was, was there was no
0: interest angry. in like the Disney Channel route of like a TV show that kind of thing or was there or was it just No, you know? I just
2: you know I had I had, you know, kind of offers to audition for that stuff, mm. but I just didn't I didn't audition for it. I just mm. it's not fun for me. Like I would run the scene sometimes with Trevor because we'd get the like we get the pages in and we'd run it and we'd both be like no. Yeah. I, I just can't make it happen. It's just not... Not that there's anything wrong with it at all. It just wasn't inherently who I was.
0: I'm just closer to this insane, kick-ass child. Tr- uh, to these, like, dark,
2: <laughs> tormented roles. Right. This was, like, something I was more interested in. Well, I'm, I'm curious
0: also, because, like, you invariably ran into situations, like, Hit Girl, yeah. where you are performing or doing things that are kind of accelerated past where you were yeah. in your development. Yeah. So... Can you can you cite examples of that of where that got weird or where that got interesting for you in terms of like think, what am I saying here? What am I doing here?
2: I think it was just kind of funny because I remember like I think I had to ask Trevor like what the C word exactly meant and it, like basically like I like there were times when we would do roles where I'd be like he'd have to explain it to me like this in like a very safe way like this is what it means yeah but like it was never like a. It was never, like, a weird, like, super taboo thing. It was just like, look, this is a role. Yeah. You can't do this at home. And, you know what I mean? That was explained to me from the time I was pretending I was talking to a ghost in Amityville Horror, and my dad was trying to murder me, and we were living in a possessed house. Right. Like, <laughs> ever since I was a kid, I was like, this isn't real, you know? So by the time I got to Kick-Ass, I was like, yeah, I can say the C word on screen and laugh about it and be like, what is happening? Right. I'm 11. What is happening right now? This is super weird, but it's fun.
0: Did, did the attention out of that role in terms of like, because I I mean, w- w- was there any oddness in the, in the kind of attention that you got about it?
2: That's what I found weirder. That's what we all found weirder is that it was an innocent role in the sense that like it wasn't creepy. Right. And a lot of people tried to twist it and manipulate it in some very weird ways. Yeah. And that's what we started to understand when we were doing press. We were like, oh, some men and older men are definitely looking at this role, not the way that it was supposed to be looked at. So that was more of us just going, like, these are weirdos and kind of realizing that, you know, we saw that weird world early. Yeah. But it also helped me learn, you know, how to, you know, figure situations out.
0: Well, does it also color, like, you know, I saw it, you know, on Twitter recently, you— we're outspoken a little bit of Miss Universe and mm-hmm. sexualizing young women yeah. in, in that way. I would think it's all I connected. I definitely in think a way. that it
2: is connected because they were, I mean, I have honestly, in none of my roles, I've really sexualized myself ever. Right. Even even up to date now, like, I have not sexualized myself in, in movies. Right. And no matter what, even if I don't do it, I can be in a turtleneck and, you know, sweatpants, and there's always going to be that person out there trying to do that. And that's the issue I have with things like that, where when I watch it is these young women are doing it to sexualize themselves. It's right. the society that they're in and the viewers and the fact that the people above them are kind of using that to sexualize them. Right. So that, you know, that's definitely something that I wanted to always protect myself from. And my family predominantly, my mother and my brother, like, they really protected me through that. And that's why they were always on set Always there, especially when I was like 16, 17, 18, like that grouping. Yeah. When you started to get into, you know, more romantic roles and being with a boy on set and all that stuff, like they were very careful with how it was all going down.
0: Do, do you find that, um, and we kind of alluded to this earlier, but like, you know, Approaching the work differently at 19 versus nine, I would think that's a given that you are. I mean, you obviously have a, a, a huge body of work right now. You have technique, mm-hmm. you have experience with people like Scorsese, etc. Mm-hmm. Do you find that like you're still learning on set, or do you feel like you've got kind of like okay, I, oh, this yeah. is where I'm most comfortable. I know this is my workplace. This is where what I do.
2: I definitely like. I definitely am most comfortable in life. Like I'm most comfortable on set. Like yeah. I know where I am, what I'm doing. I know my place. Like I know. Everything about what's going on in a set. Like, I, it's just my home. But every movie I do, there's not a movie I, I do where I don't learn something new. Yeah. Like, literally everything that I've ever done. I mean, but that's the way I look at it is if I'm doing movies where I'm not learning anything, I don't really see the point in it. And I've, I've, I've done that before where I've done a movie and gone, like, it was cool. And yeah. it's a cool movie. But, like, I, I learned nothing. Yeah. And I, seemingly, at least for my own personal self-worth, I feel like I wasted my time.
0: I We've talked about the Scorsese experience which needless to say was a huge one in terms of learning something yeah. was was let me in as well. I mean, let me in I'm obsessed it's with It's like Matt Reeves is yeah. kind of a genius. Knows he's what he wants. Very brilliant. Yeah. Was he someone that that you found easy to work with? I mean, he's he's someone that he was he's particular, right? Different.
2: He was different than anyone I'd ever worked with before. He is very particular and he has a very defined vision. And he's He's a very soft-spoken man, very soft-spoken man, and he's very intuitive. So to kind of be able to be directed by him, you have to listen and to really understand and comprehend what he's saying, because he'll say ten things to mean one, because he's so smart and so articulate um so that movie yeah that movie was a a huge learning curve for me it was very difficult
0: um as we wrap up I want to hit a couple things on upcoming stuff so I saw you on the set of Neighbors what Neighbors 2 Sorority Rising is that the official title (laughs) Looked like a lot of fun Uh, (laughs) um please like in like the 10 hours I was there I saw like (laughs) Zach like shirtless for six hours and it was insane
2: it's ridiculous was it, was it a a re- refreshing,
0: spe- calling back to objectifying people to see him be the one be objectified? <laughs> yeah.
2: There's actually, you'll when you see the trailer and stuff, and you see the movie eventually, you'll see to the, to the extent of which we really do role reverse, and the fact that like my character, all the female characters are like not objectified at all and it's mainly the men being (laughs) putting these awkward positions because Seth and you know Nick Stoller and Zach they all really wanted to show the juxtaposition they all really wanted to put themselves in that position and be like see it's weird (laughs) you know what I mean like it, it shouldn't be we just have you know completely ignored it when it's women doing it.
0: Um, uh, in terms of career markers, I feel like we're about to approach another one. I th- I, I, Little Mermaid seems like a special one, given yeah. I mean, Richard Curtis doing a screenplay alone is yeah. really exciting.
2: Very exciting.
0: Um, this is not Disney. This is mm-hmm. not a musical, correct? No. Yep. So what, what, what kind of take on it? What can you say about sort of your um, approach, Richard's approach to this?
2: I mean, we I, you know, I, we can't say much about it, but basically, you know, it is a, it is a, a darker retelling, obviously, in the sense that it is... Um, Based off the Hans Christian Andersen right. novel, you know, it's it's still, I think, going to be uh, a youthful movie, yeah. of course. We want to make it, you know, big and exciting, and but we want to make it realistic and raw and naturalistic. And we just really want to portray this young woman who really does see a different life out there where she doesn't fit in where she is now and to try and figure out what is beyond the world she's living in that is so close yet. So far.
0: Is that, is that next? Is that the next big thing? Yeah. So I need to get to reading yeah. you the lines yes really soon.
2: you do. <laughs> you got to. I'll send you the script tonight.
0: Got to get the air quotes we'll ready. We'll start
2: Skyping and figure <laughs> it out soon. Um, lastly, I'm just curious,
0: like, you know, you are active on social media. And I, I feel like you've been smart in, in a way that, like, you... I feel like you're, you've defined yourself in, in terms of celebrity, rather than what can happen for a lot of celebrities, which is like be defined. By yeah. Do you, do you find that that is a struggle? Is that something you've thought about in terms of like how you chart your own path, as opposed to kind of like being put in boxes in terms of by evil media people like myself?
2: You're so evil. Yeah. Like you're one of the, the most. The epitome. You are.
0: <sighs> Let's not talk about that. Back to you.
2: Head uh, back to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I definitely think that obviously i think society alone much less the media loves to put you on a box and they love to be able to label you as something cuz it's easy for them yeah. they can put you on that same thing and just keep running that same tag over and over and over and what i try and do is to be who i really am and also be realistic to the generation that i'm growing up in you right. know what i mean because young women and we're realizing this more and more every day and it's becoming more you know accepted than it used to be is the fact that you can't pinpoint one person as, as the same. You know, it, it, it's not cookie cutter. Right. No one person feels the same way, says the same thing, has the same ideas. But because of the pedestal that I've been put on, I'm trying to take in generationally what we're going through, especially as young women, and trying to say things and and, and stand for something that means something more than just me going to an event and taking a photo and saying I love my pretty shoes because I offer more to the world than a pretty pair of shoes. Right. You know what I mean? And I think every young woman does. I think every young woman offers more to the world than, you know, their boobs and butt. You know what I mean? And I think that I want to show young women that if they don't know that and the women that do know that, I want to speak for them and I want to be able to… You know have my own voice and not be controlled by the system or the society
0: so I shouldn't look for like the Chloe Grace Moretz like pillowcases perfume the whole line of uh, I
2: mean you might get a pillowcase here or there, <laughs> but like who knows
0: but that's hand sewn by yourself it's, It'll not, be it's not it's not assembly line how
2: dare is it because I'm a woman <laughs> No, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so I like sewing so you're saying I like to sew
0: for the record, she's air quoting. It <laughs> yeah. doesn't really help me at all, but um, <laughs> congratulations Thank on you. the fifth wave. Uh, the conversation continues. I don't know what there is left to talk about, but we'll figure out something next time, right?
2: Yeah.
0: Maybe I'll Maybe learn to always- drive. Maybe I'll figure <gasps> oh out. Oh my
2: God. Can you please? We should do an interview. Of me teaching you <laughs> to drive. <laughs> That'd be really funny.
0: you teaching me how to do basic life skills. I was
2: like, no! Josh stop! <laughs> That's a pedestrian. Sounds you helpful. don't hit the people in the street. I'm
0: not the Red Me stop. This is the only thing I'm mediocre at. <laughs> well Uh, <no? laughs> uh I'm
2: it, kidding. it's good to see Chloe.
0: Yeah, see you it's good time. to see you too, Josh. We did it. <laughs>
3: Pop. Podcast listeners, it's me, Darren Toblerone. You might have heard me and my brother, Aaron Toblerone, on the California Supreme Wind Show, the only podcast all about California Supreme Windows, just minutes from the 405, your number one spot to get great deals on Windows and now also Door. But there are many more podcasts than just my brother's podcast. It's true, like with special guest Lauren Lapkis, for example. Every week she plays a different character and she's the guest of someone else who's playing another character who's the host. It's complicated, but it's also not. But it's also great, almost like a jigsaw puzzle. Listen to this. Get off your knees, you damn idiot. I love you, Regina. Stand up. (laughs) I'm going to give you osteoporosis (laughs) in your knees with my cane. (laughs) Stand up, you idiot. I will, master. (laughs) Put on this ball gag, you bitch. (laughs) 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 Take it out, you liked it too much (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you mommy So sit by your favorite window and listen to with special guest Lauren Lapkus on Earwolf.com, iTunes, or the podcast player of your choice Doinky windows forever, goodbye
1: Pop Pop? Pop. Pop 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 pop, pop. pop 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 pop.
0: This has been a Wolf Pop Production. Executive produced by
1: Paul Shear, Adam Sachs, Chris Bannon, and Matt Gorley. For more information and content, visit wolfpop.com.